Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is February 13th, 2017, and I'm Rollo McFlugel, and with me is Slappy Jones 2, and we are both at McFlugel.com. The show notes page for this episode is McFlugel.com slash 26. So this being the 26th episode, that means we've been doing this for half a year already. Before we get started, I want to direct you to a GoFundMe uh, page that we set up to send Bill Crystal on an Iraqi vacation since he loves war so much, especially the one in Iraq, so we want to show him his handiwork. So just so you know, since he'll never take us up on that offer and we never want to financially support him anyway, any funds that we raise will be donated to antiwar.com for the fabulous work that they do. So you can check that out at mcflugel.com slash vacation or on the show notes page mcflugel.com slash 26. So with that, I'll hand it over to Slappy, and he's going to introduce our topic. Thanks, Rollo, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, today, we're going to talk about um, a comment. Well, kind of a comment. We're going to talk about a comment that was on our Facebook page in response to one of our episodes. Um, this was one of our listeners who is a great person, I'm sure. Um, but we were sarcastic at the end of one of our shows a couple episodes back saying that in anarchy we would be throwing molotov cocktails and breaking windows and beating people up and uh, and if you've listened to our show consistently you would probably pick up on that and if not um we do pick up new listeners every week uh we want to make sure we clear the air and uh explain what anarchy is or what we see anarchy is and how we think society could be structured um so with that, Rallo, what do you see as anarchy? Is it Molotov cocktails and broken windows and down with capitalism? No, I don't think so. I think when what, what anarchy to me is is well, the basic definition of of anarchy is no rulers. So you don't have a state, you don't have a, a that that apparatus over top of you. So kind of a, a basic definition that I would use on my own going on top of that is just a lack of institutionalized violence. So no coercion. So as anarchists is, well, we're of the, there's, there's a lot of different flavors of anarchy, but we're of the anarcho-capitalist or the voluntarist. Yeah, and I, I would just compare that to, um, to people who are in favor of the state. You know, if someone said, no, we need a government, I probably wouldn't point to North Korea and say, this is what you argue for. Right. Um, and that's a little ridiculous. But in the same way, if someone calls himself an anarchist and is breaking windows and trying to destroy capitalism and they say that's what anarchy is, I would say, no, that's not what at least what I believe in. Right. So when we are against the uh, the, the use of institutionalized vi- or well, I'll say that anarchy is the is the absence of institutionalized violence because we're, we're not saying that there will be no violence there will be no force there will be no coercion i mean humans are humans and we acknowledge that some people do bad things sometimes and, and so we're not claiming utopia we're just saying that the government the state is force by definition everything it does is through the barrel of a gun that's how it gets power okay so, let me stop you real quick sure because it is middle of February. April's coming up. I'm going to pay my taxes, and nobody is going to show up with a gun at my door. So what do you mean it's force at the barrel of a gun? Well, what happens if you don't pay your taxes? They just wouldn't say, oh, he, oh yeah. gee golly, I guess we're not going to get money from him. They may send me a letter and say you owe a little extra, and here's your fine and your fee, and you know, and then I just pay it because – 
Right. Why? <laughs> and that that happened to me actually with the state taxes. I just I got a letter and found out that apparently I didn't pay enough last time. Uh, so they they charged me more, and they said in that letter if you don't pay it in time, then there's going to be I don't know if it, I forget if it said a warrant or whatever, but but they they were going to escalate it. And then if you continue to ignore it, then I'm sure at some point they would send people to your door who would be armed, who would be agents of the state, to say, hey, um, you haven't paid, we're taking you away. And so, and then if you further refuse that, then they would use the, I'm sure they would use the weapons at their disposal that they had, they're carrying with them. So, you know, I, I like to compare it to Tony Soprano knocks at your door. He's not, well, he might be carrying a gun. You don't know, but you know he's Tony Soprano. You know what he does for a living. And he says, hey, I'm offering protection. Why don't you give me 500 bucks? And then you voluntarily, using air quotes, give him 500 bucks. You were clearly coerced because the threat was there, whether he explicitly said, or I'm going to shoot you, or I'm going to burn your building down. You know what he does for a living. You know how he operates. And... Um, you pay him the 500 bucks because you are coerced to pay it. You are forced to pay it. And that's very similar to the state. If you don't pay, you know what they're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's, if it just went straight to, you know, as soon as you didn't pay your taxes correctly or something, they would just immediately lock you in a cage or kill you or do whatever. Then people would see what it is for what it is. And so I don't think most people would be very accepting of that. So they have to kind of have those those certain steps uh, that, that, that take it away It'll, from that. Yeah, it's also nice that there's so many levels of government. So it's like the cop who knocks on the door says, I don't write the laws. And the, the congressman who wrote it says, I didn't write the laws. They were here. We just have to enforce them. And the judge says the same thing. Well, the law says this. Nobody takes responsibility for it. Right. Um, cops may even say, yes, I disagree with the law, but I swore to uphold it, and that's what my job is. Um, unfortunately, they're doing, you know, they're, they're locking someone in a cage for something that they even say they disagree with. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a really sad way to, to work um, and to live, and that's really a sad system where people can't do what they believe or what's best for them. For society, or, or what they think is moral, absolutely. So, in that, in that, since we brought up uh, the police, so we have an, uh, a society that's an anarchy; it has no state, and obviously, we know right now that the we get the police protection and and military protection through the state. Are, are we saying that without the state, that stuff wouldn't exist? Um. Well. People would say that we do that, but I believe that people want protection. They want to be safe. They want to know that they can walk out their door and not get jumped or robbed or go to the store. In fact, business owners want people to get to their stores. People shopping want to be able to get to the stores, and they want to be safe all along the way. I certainly think people, if we had everything privatized, whether it's roads or properties, houses, would have an interest in keeping um, their place safe and making sure people can get to and from places without getting robbed or shot at or whatever, whatever else may happen. So I do think we would find ways to do it. Now, 
to people who haven't considered living without a state, I realize that sounds naive. Um, but there's some real life examples of this where this has happened. And um, Rallo, I, I know you know a little bit about this one, but but tell them about Detroit. Yeah, there's the Detroit, I believe it's called the Detroit Threat Management Center. And the the police in Detroit, you know, as we all know, Detroit's really bad with crime. And the police, a lot of them basically kind of just gave up with a lot of stuff because it's, it's so bad and so dangerous. So that created a market opportunity for the Detroit Threat Management System to step in, and they did. And they use ways that are, are mostly nonviolent methods of dealing with uh, crime, and they're actually very effective and and on top of that, because people say, oh, only rich people are going to get police protection in, in your society. But they actually do a lot of pro bono work. Uh, and there's and there's benefits. I mean, if you're a business, you want people to, like you said, you want people to be able to come and, and shop exactly. at your store. So you're going to make sure that they have a way of getting there, the, the way to and from their house and their neighborhood. It's going to. And, and anyway, even if you know a rich guy is going to want his entire neighborhood to be safe, he wants to he doesn't care just about his house. And if he, you know, has the money to make sure that his neighborhood is okay, then then I'm sure he's going to be okay with people benefiting from that who don't pay him directly for for taking advantage of those services. So, what about public schools? Because this was brought up to me recently when I said, you know, if we were looking at textbooks from 1954 in the Soviet Union, we would probably all laugh at them and and how they worship the. Um, the Soviet Union and how great communism is. And we would look at it and say, wow, this is so clearly propaganda. <laughs> but today in the United States, the government has a big hand in uh, schooling and especially with the public schools. And so I said, well, you know, they force, force these people. We're primarily talking about lower income people, but they're forced to go to public schools. And the counter was, they are absolutely not forced to go to public schools. Uh, I know some people who are homeschooled. This is what my friend was saying. And there is no law on the books that say you have to go to a public brick-and-mortar school. Now, you and I both went to Catholic school. But would you say the state forces at least some people to go to public school? Or if force isn't the right word for people who aren't um, really – into this libertarian stuff as much coerce would that be a better word well one i mean they do force you to go to school i mean there are truancy laws and if you don't have a an alternative to their public school they will arrest at least you know i don't know what they do with the kids but they'll the parents will get in trouble as well as the kids but also they may not force you to to go to their public school if you have an alternative but they force you to pay for it I mean, like they you said, they also do force you to learn certain. I mean, even if you homeschool your kids, you have to get it. Now, every state has different laws, but you still have to get that curriculum approved by your state. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you know, we we were both fortunate enough to go to Catholic school growing up, and but that doesn't mean our parents were able to say like, well, we're we're spending money on our kids to go to this school, so we don't have to pay the school taxes. No, they absolutely still pay the school taxes. I pay school taxes right now. I don't have kids. But I, have I to also pay. pay school taxes, but I do have three kids, but my oldest is two and a half. So, yeah. Yeah, we're not really using it. So there's it. So I guess, te yeah, technically, if you want to get uh, you're really into the semantics and say, are you forced to go to a public school? Then 
no, but you're still forced to shell out money for it. You're not you're not allowed to opt out of the the whole public school system. Well, and, and another way to look at it, um, again, trying to make some kind of analogy that might make more sense is say the government required you to have Comcast cable. You were going to pay for it. You could use it if you want it. They say. Actually, they require you to pay for it, but they say you don't have to use Comcast. You can get Verizon or whatever, RCN or whatever other cable companies out there if you want, but you still have to pay for Comcast. Pretty much everyone would say, yeah, they kind of force us to use Comcast. Right. Uh, I, I don't think the argument would be the same with schools like where they say, well, no, they aren't forcing you to use Comcast. You can choose to buy Verizon if you want. Uh, the, obvious, the obvious counter would be, well, why? Because I pay for Comcast. Um um yeah no that's that's exactly a a perfect analogy for it and it's yeah it's and then you see the product of of well yeah then let's look at the results yeah i mean almost everybody even if you do love the idea of public school and like public schooling just about everyone can agree they're not doing well right um but so then the counter is what if we didn't have it if we didn't have public schools how would what would these people do? They can't afford private school. What would people do in in poverty stricken neighborhoods? How would they educate their kids? Well, they they used to. I mean, before the you know Department of Education happened and, and public school system happened, in at least in the United States, we'll use you know stick to that as an example. You know, kids were educated. It wasn't like no one got educated before the public school system started. And then to take it outside of of the United States nowadays, I mean, there's third world countries that are that kids are getting educated pretty well, and it's not through the state; it's privately done. And actually, if you look at the cost compared to a lot of private school versus public school, it, it's not even close. Public schools are really, really expensive with how much they spend on each kid because it's inefficient. Right. And then, so if you eliminate, I mean. Think of think of if I didn't have to pay my property tax, which most of it goes to the school tax and everything. How else? How better I would be able to use that money and and be able to use it more efficiently in the economy. And how other people who who maybe they they send their kid to, to public school because they can't afford to pay the the public school tax, and then on top of that, pay a tuition too. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's just a huge distortion in the education market. Well, one thing I think is interesting, and I'm not a fan of charter schools um, because it's still state-funded, right? but it does give kids an option. And one thing you'll see, and you, you can Google it, in almost every city they have them, there's wait lists for them. And what does that mean? That means the parents in these neighborhoods where they're going to public school want other options. They want to educate their children, and they want to find a better option. Um, unfortunately, with the system, they often don't have any other options. And so what we need is a market for education and have ideas come into these neighborhoods and have co-ops and different ways to educate kids and have them be more entrepreneurial because the education needs of people are, are in different areas and different cultures and different socioeconomic levels is different. Um, if you're educating someone whose father has, you know, billions of dollars, I mean, he's going to be okay in life. You know, he can take whatever he wants, learn whatever he wants. He's he's probably going to get by all right. But when you're poor or, or, or not as wealthy, maybe it's better to learn entrepreneurial skills. Maybe it's better to learn how to start a business, how to create something. And uh, they're clearly not getting it in school today. 
And so I think if you had a market for education, just like a market in everything else, uh, it would be better, more efficient, and people would be getting what they need. And they would probably be able to afford it much better than they are now. If you see what, if you just look at colleges, what the federal grants have done to tuition, I mean, just look at it back in 1970, what college costs in real terms, not nominal, uh, compared to today. And is the, is the degree more valuable or less valuable? Seems like everyone gets one and it's insanely expensive. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, and so if we create this market for education and get the government out of it, uh, you'll see prices go down and the education get better. Right. I mean, how much did an iPhone cost 10 years ago? How about, yeah, the original iPhone? And now how much you could buy the original iPhone for? I mean, people right. don't even want it. Literally. I mean, right. if, you, if you had I the mean, iPhone it, 1 or whatever it was called, people would kind of laugh at you if you try to sell to them. And at the time, this was the coolest thing. This was the biggest thing in the world. It was. I, I don't know how much the original one cost, but um, they pretty much all cost around six hundred dollars when they come out. So we'll throw a six hundred dollar price tag on it. You couldn't give that thing away today, just ten years later, right? Because the technology has gotten so much better and cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we would see the same thing in education. I don't know why we, why we wouldn't. Oh yeah, I mean, when when was the last time that education, especially public education, had like a big uh, like innovation in it? I, I don't know that answer. I, 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 I and, don't know. Right. And and to me, I think that's a problem because basically every other industry that flourishes, it does well, has has major innovations that happen in it. Constantly. There's always new things coming out, new ways to do things. And the companies that don't adjust and don't change kind of go away, typically. Right. Um, if you don't adapt, you're gone. Yeah. And education has been pretty pretty much the same go to class sit there learn whatever you're apparently learning uh it's boring and if you can't pay attention if you're bored if that means you need to be drugged up until you do pay attention yeah. so it's it's really sad again um it's just this the sad state we're in where we think this is the only way and what does it produce just turn on the news yeah. see the kids out there rioting over a president yeah, it's uh, it's it's a frustrating world that we live in, isn't it? It sure is. So, with that, do you have anything on the market? Um, let's see. Uh, this wasn't a good one. I mean, I I. <laughs> No, that wouldn't be good. Well, I'm just going to tell my Uber story from the weekend. Sure. It's because I think it's so interesting. Um, you guys are going to think like Uber pays me to do this because I talk about it all the time, but I think it's such a phenomenal service. And this weekend I was doing some driving and I picked up uh, several people from India, originally from India. Uh, they had lived here from varying times. I always like to get the conversation started, ask them why they came, uh, wh what they like about it, um, how long they've been here, what they're doing, all that good stuff. And, uh, their answers are so, uh, I don't know, and maybe inspiring or uplifting because you turn on the news and you just hear how just awful this country is and all this, all the people are and we're in the worst shape ever and most divided and most racist ever in the history of the world. Yet when I talk to foreigners who come from a completely different culture, just pick up and come here, I heard from two, two separate people on two separate rides that the conversation we were having in my car 
would not take place in India. He said, they don't, you don't talk to strangers. You just, it's not, they just don't do it. This is, and he was just talking about how phenomenal it is. He's like, I love this. I get to talk to you and you talk back and it's great. And, uh, I just think that's really cool. It's a, it's a market solution that brings people together. You get to learn from all kinds of people and we're all doing it voluntarily. He's paying me. I'm accepting money from him and I'm giving him a ride paying for the gas and all that. But, um, we both benefit from it and it brings us all together. Uh, and it's just a, one of the miracles of the market. Yep. Yeah. It's something that, you know, we all just all Which, take for granted. Which, yeah, and, 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 you know, when I talk to these people, it's funny how we're in this world and, and this is what you get fed every day from the government is this is racist and that. And I'm not saying I know this is anecdotal, but two guys from India came and said they have been treated great by everybody. And we know half the country voted for Trump, so they can't be the worst people in the world, all these Trump voters. Um, again, that's not an endorsement for Trump. I, we always have to do that disclaimer. But the way the media treats Trump and his supporters – is um, really disgraceful because if you look at your everyday life and when you walk down the street and you go into stores, we really don't have any problems with each other, generally. Oh, I agree. It's it's when everyone says, "Oh, this country's so divided," it's it's completely manufactured. It's it's manufactured, it's manufactured it's and it's to the benefit of the state to divide us to make us right. think we're divided because then we rely on them. We need Hillary or we need whoever the next Democrat is because look what this guy did to us. But really, when you go live your everyday life, we all get along just fine. Oh yeah, and and I don't know how into politics immigrants are. I know if I went to another country, I probably wouldn't even understand what they're doing right. or, or how they're set up. Um, so these guys don't get too into it. They just go about their life. They go to work. They interact with total strangers and have positive interactions with these people. So I, I, th I find it inspiring that he comes here and says how great it is uh, just to be talking to a stranger, something so simple that we do every day, most of us. And if you don't, you should because it is fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But that's all I have. Uh if you want to add anything to the end of it, you want to wrap it up with a conclusion? No, it's just uh, that, you know, when when you hear people talking about anarchy, it's, you know, hear them out before you, you know, jump to a conclusion about it. And and just, you know, when we say we're anarchists, it's, it's we're not talking about utopia. We're not saying that we think that people are somehow going to act altruistically out of nowhere. It's just that we think that Market Anarchy forces is, are better motivations than the state. Right. And we don't want... There will be violence. There will be bad people doing things. But at least that violence won't be institutionalized by the state and by its the apparatus. Right. The and since uses. no people want violence, people want to be safe. Businesses want to be able to move their goods. We'd find a way to do it if government would just get out of the way. Absolutely. So, so Yeah. So Have a good week, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Remember, show notes page is mcflugel.com slash 26, where please subscribe to the, the podcast on either iTunes or Stitcher. And you can also subscribe to the blog so you be kept up to date on all our posts. Also, like us on Facebook and follow each of us on Twitter. Right. If you like what we're doing and you have a friend who's kind of interested in libertarianism, not really sure, that's our target market. Send them a link. Let them listen to us. And we will reply if you have comments on our Facebook page or blog. Absolutely. So with that, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a good week. Peace.